bet the game. Sounds crazy, Frank. <laughs> Maybe just crazy enough to work. Sports betting with an Oregon lean. Powered by Sports Radio 750, The Game, Portland's most listened to sports station. You probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Chris. Now, here are your hosts, Judah Newby and Zach Schlegel. And what to do, everybody? A week away from Super Bowl 54. He's Zach Schlegel. I'm Chuda Newby. Bet the game on 750 the game, 750thegame.com. Zach's own 49ers. Miami bound for Super Bowl 54 against Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. This episode, we're just going to initially get into the matchup a little bit, talk about some Super Bowl betting trends, get Zach's perspective as a 49er fan going to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's always a special time when your team can play in the biggest game of the year, in the biggest game in sports, and we'll offer a little bit of insight on the matchup going into uh, next Sunday. But uh, Zach, as always, there's a lot of lead up going into Super Bowls and with the two-week break between Championship Sunday and the game itself, there's plenty of time to break things down, break down the matchups, break down all the storylines. You almost have to ease your way into uh, the dynamic of a of a two week stretch yeah. between games. Yeah, you got to be patient. You got to just sit back and kind of see how things play out. Two weeks to prepare. You know, it's not like either of these teams are going to come into it being surprised by what the other is doing, unless right. of course. One of those teams is, you know, hiding something. Or, of course, everyone's going to have their wrinkles that they don't really show throughout the playoffs, and they save for special moments like this. Kyle like a Shanahan, special, or <laughs> exactly right. And when you got a, a mind like Kyle Shanahan, an offensive guru, a guy who likes to get his playmakers out in space, a guy who likes to use a lot of motion to confuse the defense, set up the pass with the run. You know, that's going to be key for the 49ers in this matchup. I'm really, really excited. How did you uh, take in the championship games? The Niner game was the second game of the day. You're a big Niner fan. Mm -hmm. And from start to finish, you're in control. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest, Jude. I wasn't sweating too much during that game. I felt good. We talked about it before. We saw the 49ers in the first matchup against the Packers. They dominated that game from start to finish. I think what was it was at halftime they were up in that one was it 20 to nothing It was 20 nothing yeah And then in this one it was 27 to nothing very similar story 49ers getting it done on the ground Raheem Mostert the ex surfer surfing his way through the Green Bay Packers defense for what four touchdowns Yeah I mean absolutely crazy story for him and the 49ers have gone through so much over the last couple years with Jimmy Garoppolo going down with the ACL tear last year and Jarek McKinnon, you know, what happened to this guy, right? He got injured with the ACL tear as well, and we haven't seen him back. Um, they gave him big money. They gave, I know, well, for, man. for running back free agency, pretty big money. Totally. And the depth at running back has been awesome. So, I mean, they have so many guys who can get it done. I'm, I'm just, I think one of the biggest storylines that I've been hearing over the last week or so is people talking about that Jimmy Garoppolo ACL tear and how it was sort of a blessing in disguise because. With those four wins, it allowed them to get a top draft pick, to get Nick Bosa, to give Jimmy Garoppolo essentially a redshirt year to learn the playbook, learn Shanahan's offense, familiarize himself with everything in the organization, and get his body ready for this season. So I think, and on top of that, adding those final pieces to complete a championship quality defense. 
So this team has everything that you can ask for in terms of a championship team and they're so tight knit and that's that's what I love. If you if there's one of the wor- if there's one word I could describe the 49ers this season, it's just consistency. They've just consistently shown up offensively, defensively every single game. The the three games that they've lost have been on the last play of the game. You know, you lose three games, one in overtime by a field goal, one on the road in Baltimore by a field goal, and then another to the to the Falcons, of course, on the last second Julio Jones play there. But the 49ers, you could literally tell a story of how they could be 18-0. I just think this is a special team. Yeah, it really is. And it's always special when your team makes it this far. Like, I remember as a Seahawk fan, the run that they had, that was my senior year of college when they uh, end up going 13-3, um, and getting the one seed in the NFC, mm. beating uh, at that uh, the Saints in the divisional round, then beating the... Um, the 49ers in the NFC Championship game in one of the most memorable yeah. you know, NFC title, well, both NFC title games in Seattle in 2013 and 2014 were classics. Mm-hmm. The 49ers, Sherman Crabtree, and then the comeback against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The yeah, year. yeah, yeah. Think of Aaron Rodgers' career in the NFC title. It's been everywhere. Yeah, he's had yeah. blowout losses. He's had close losses. And he, of course, has a win over the Chicago Bears mm-hmm. that got him in his first Super Bowl back in uh, 2010. But when your team makes it this far, and then there's the lead-up, and then all the national conversations about your team, Mm -hmm. it may be a little bit different for Niner fans, especially older Niner fans, because they've seen this dynamic before. I remember as a Seahawks fan, though, those back-to-back years, it was like, wow, we're getting the spotlight, we're getting all the attention, all the sports talk shows are talking about our team and our quarterback and our coach, and you know they win that first one, and then they brutally lose... That second one, for Niner fans, you saw the rise with Harbaugh Kaepernick, the three straight NFC title game appearances, Mm -hmm. the close loss in the Super Bowl and the Harbaugh Bowl with the power going out and the comeback that followed. But now, is there what? What's the narrative around Niner Nation? Is it is it redemption for the Niners from 2012? Is it redemption for Kyle Shanahan from Falcons 28 to three? Is it? Garoppolo trying to prove himself like what what is the main narrative that uh, Niner fans are kind of holding on to I just looking back as a 49er fan Judah I just think we've we've really been through a lot and I just think this is it's just about finishing this year because this team like I said they have all the talent in the world to make it happen they've really showed up they've been consistent and I just think the narrative here is just finish you know get this thing done for Niner faithful um, this, a, a lot of people weren't happy with the move to Santa Clara and maybe this, th- this time, you know, getting a championship, uh, for the organization first time while they're in Santa Clara. Um, I think that'll be a really, really big deal for the Bay area for Niner faithful. And, you know, looking back, uh, prior to those three NFC championship games, you mentioned, you know, for me personally, I've been through the storm as a 49ers fan, um, after the 2002 season, which all right, that's kind of. I mean, it's not my earliest memories as a 49er fan, but the 2002 season was with Jeff Garcia and T.O. and that huge comeback, Garrison Hurst and whatnot, when they were down by 20-plus at halftime to the New York Giants, came storming back to win that one 39-38. The Trey Junkin game. Oh, man, yeah. The Giants center that uh, totally missed the snap on the potential game-winning field goal. It should have been pass interference, And it should have been pass interference, allegedly. (laughs) And, you know, and then the the Niners got stomped against Tampa Bay the next week, so. So that ended pretty quickly. But after that season, six 
losing seasons in a row. So, and that it was really the majority of my, you know, not necessarily childhood, but that was, you know, when I was in middle school and high school. The Niners weren't doing anything. Seven of eight seasons were losing seasons. Pretty much, yeah, my entire middle school, high school life at that point. It wasn't until Jim Harbaugh came in where the the franchise completely turned around and Alex Smith was popping off and then Colin Kaepernick comes in and he does his thing. And then after those NFC titles, then we kind of go back to, you know, a bunch of losing seasons in a row. We see Chip Kelly come in for one year and poor Chip Kelly. It's like, you know, this guy had nothing to work with during that two and 14 season. Um, And Kyle Shanahan comes in, they get Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, they win six of their final seven games in 2017. Everything's looking up. And he tears his ACL. We just talked about that. So I just think this this fan base has been through so much. And it would be, you know, the first championship since 1994. It would be the first championship I would really remember and witness as a human being on planet Earth. Oh, you know? interesting. Yeah. Right. You know, back in my former life, you know, in other <laughs> galaxies. Right, right. right. But, uh, you know, first time as Zach Schlegel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just finish. That's what it's about right now is just finish because this team has what it takes. They've had it all year. I just think. I think this is a team of destiny. I really do feel like that. And I love, I think what I really love about what I'm seeing in the media is that all the the experts, all the people in the mainstream media are really thinking that the Chiefs are going to run away with it. A lot of people, not a lot of people are back in the 49ers, of course, except the smart ones, right? But um, no pressure. But no pressure. Pick. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing is, and I was going to ask you, like as a Seahawks fan, when the Seahawks start getting talked about all the time in the media and there's oh. a lot of hype, does that make you nervous? Because for me, it would. And anytime, you know, the media starts really hyping up my team, I'm like, stop, stop. You know, just calm down. Like, you know, keep us under the radar. Yeah. And, and the 49ers, it's wild, but they're in the Super Bowl and it still feels to me like they're under the radar in the Super Bowl. It's like they people still don't want to give them the credit. And I'll be the first to say that with Jimmy Garoppolo, I needed to see him do it this season. I said prior to the season, I needed him to play an entire season without getting injured. And he needed to not only play an entire season, but do well. You know, not he doesn't have to be phenomenal, but he needs to do well. And he's he's answered all the questions I've had of him. And if he finishes this one off. This 49ers franchise might just have their guy for the next decade. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as long as that coach is there too. Mm, yes, you know, that's yes, the key yes. with all of this. And, you know, from, uh, from you mentioned, yeah, the Seahawks perspective, mm-hmm. uh, Seahawks fans in particular during the rise, um, very um, sensitive mm-hmm. to, to national the narratives and opinions mm-hmm. and just overall coverage or lack of coverage. It went from you're not covering our team at all to you're not covering our team enough mm-hmm. to everyone's hating on our team because of Sherm and Michael yeah. Bennett and outspoken guys. And it just kind of turned into like Seahawks fans against the world type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was an interesting dichotomy between Russell Wilson and, and Sherman in terms of, guys that are easy to love, guys that mm-hmm. are easy to hate, and then people started hating Wilson all over again because he was too robotic or mm-hmm. too fake in the Wicker, the Seth Wickersham piece on ESPN. And, um, you know, that it's just an interesting dynamic to uh, to navigate as a fan when, when the national media starts to cover your team because, to me, all the storylines from a national perspective to a team in particular are predictable. 
And the one with the Niners is, is Jimmy Garoppolo the real deal? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a trap because we are so, um, we're so attracted to try to sensationalize the quarterback position. Yeah. To the correct. point where he has to be a superstar or he's nothing at all. Yeah. It's just not the case in how to win football games. Mm-hmm. All right. We saw Rex Grossman get to a Super Bowl. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks, you know, get to the Super Bowl. Now, the thing with Garoppolo, and, and, you know, he's much more skilled than Rex Grossman, clearly, but he's also in an offense in a scheme that not only fits his skill set, but it allows him to, you know, not have to take a ton of risks. Guys are open a lot of the time. Right. His reads are there. It's really, I mean, the Shanahan-Garoppolo relationship is what makes Garoppolo good or great. It's not necessarily Jimmy G in and of himself. And that's, you know, we have to remember that when talking football strategy and ways to win. Your quarterback as a standalone position or player doesn't guarantee anything. Mm -hmm. We think it might, and there are some examples around the league, like a Russell Wilson elevates his offense. But to be honest, there are a lot of different ways to win. The 49ers have found their way to win. Mm -hmm. It's, on average, Garoppolo throwing maybe 22 times a game. Yeah. The last couple of games notwithstanding. Throwing one interception or less. Yeah. Taking care of the football. Yeah, take care of the football. He can afford one turnover maybe with with his defense and being good in the red zone. And I tell you what, that first drive against the Minnesota Vikings in the divisional round, they went right down the field. They had play action inside the 10, and Mm. Garoppolo went Mm. over the top to uh, Kendrick Bourne, yep. and I'm just like, that's it. That's the offense. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not overcomplicate it. Why do we have to debate on end if Jimmy Garoppolo is a superstar or, or a soon-to-be superstar? The narrative of him winning his own title away from Brady, I mean, it's got some narrative parallels between Steve Young and, and Joe Montana, but uh, Steve Young's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, I think. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Especially right now. We're talking about oh, yeah. a Hall of Famer, for crying mm-hmm. out loud. Than uh, than guy who's who's still just starting out trying to make it his own name for himself. But I I think personally the hate's gone too far on Jimmy G. Yeah, and his biggest key to success in any big game, but particularly the Super Bowl, will be taking care of the football and converting in the red zone. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned uh, Rex Grossman, but then there's like Brad Johnson. Yep. There's Trent Dilfer. Brad Johnson who, also... who won the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. who did he win it with? Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Warren yeah, Sapp, right. and the MVP of that Super Bowl of the Buccaneers was uh, was a Dexter Johnson, who had three picks in that game. Wow, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, because that was Rich Gannon who threw what three? Yeah, threw all three interceptions. Yeah. And it's funny because someone was making a joke like Rich Gannon threw five touchdown passes in that game, three of them to Tampa Bay. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, that was Gruden's uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah. Against Bill Callahan's Raiders, and mm-hmm. Gruden had just left the Raiders to Tampa that year. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. He was in the Super Bowl. And Tim I, Brown was in that game, too. Gosh, I wanted Rice to get one more there. Joey, I, Joey Porter, the mm-hmm. receiver Joey Porter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was I was so upset with my dad in that Super Bowl because I remember, like, <laughs> he was, because <laughs> I remember I was just trying to root for the Bay Area. I was like, man, oh, come on. I mean, yeah. just like, let's just root for the Bay Area. I'm a 49ers fan, but, you know, let's go Raiders. And my dad, like, last minute was like, 
Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm cheering on the Bucks. Uh, I got bet with my uh, brother or something like that. I'm like, come on, man! Like now, <laughs> and then they won, and I was like, I remember I was really just like sour about it. I'm like, like just kind of pouting funny. around. And, That's funny. You know, it wasn't even huh. my team, but yeah. And then you know, and going on to Trent Dilfer, yeah. I just mentioned too, like another just great defense, right? And the 49ers, it's they have a an elite defense, but their offense isn't like their offense is probably. Better than the Ravens' Trent Dilfer offense during that year, you know. Definitely. I mean, you, you got it, like right. I mean, I mean, scheme and <laughs> there was no Kittle on that Ravens yeah. offense. Yeah. You know, Shan- so, Shannon Sharp may have played on that Ravens offense. I'm not even sure. If yeah, he was there I think by then right. or not. Maybe. But yeah, I mean, oh, there's no question they had what Jamal Lewis, but mm-hmm. and a good run game. But mm-hmm. this this Niners team's different, and they have a comparable defense to that, but they've got an elevated scheme. Yeah. And and skill guys that those offenses didn't have. Yeah, and on that note, uh, so we were talking Kyle Shanahan, and let's. I brought up some information here about him and Steve Spagnola because this is really interesting. They have faced off together six times in their career. The defensive coordinator of the Chiefs. Yes, yeah. defensive yeah. coordinator of the Chiefs, Spagnola, and of course the great offensive mind and Kyle Shanahan. And and by the way, before I get into this, did you see that video of when Kyle Shanahan was the OC? For the Cleveland Browns, and yeah. and who was the head coach for the Browns at the time? Uh, it was uh, Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin, yes, yes, the defensive coordinator yes. of the Packers. Oh God! And that oh, was the God. whole thing. Yeah, someone. Uh, I think it was. I think it was um, Sharp, uh, Warren Sharp, who is a great Twitter follow. Yeah, found the NFL, you know, uh, <laughs> insider uh, footage when Mike Pettin was the head coach of the Browns and Kyle Shanahan was his OC. Brian Hoyer was the quarterback. And Johnny Manziel was a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just this little clip of Mike Pettin telling Kyle Shanahan they're deep in the red zone. Like, I think we should run the ball hill. He just runs the ball here. And Shanahan looks at him. He glares at him initially and then looks. And you could just, that speaks a thousand words. Mm-hmm. And Shanahan's like, this dude right here. He's like, come on, man. This dude right here is going to be questioning me. And then Pettin, to Pettin's credit, yeah. he says, you know what? I trust you. You call what works. Yeah, yeah. Calls Get, a play action, roll out, touchdown. Yeah, give me your best play. And he does it. <laughs> and Comes he does through. it. That's Kyle Shanahan right there. And then there. he kicks Petten's ass in the NFC title three years <laughs> yeah. later. Just to put the cherry on top. Yeah. Right? So, Shanahan versus Spagnola, six times they faced off. You know, we're going back to, I believe, like 2009, something okay. like that. Uh, Shanahan has a 5-1 and one record against Spagnola. Here are the passing stats. Combined in those games, 130 for 198, very good, 1,700 yards, 8 touchdowns, 4 picks, 8.7 yards per pass, that's pretty good, 179 carries on the rushing in the rushing game, almost 800 yards, 7 touchdowns, 4.3 yards per carry, averaging 24 points per game. I mean, that's the big thing for me, averaging 24 points per game, because then you look at Shanahan's quarterbacks that he had during that time, Matt Schaub with Houston. Donovan McNabb with the Redskins. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Rex Grossman with the Redskins. We just mentioned him. RG3, and I believe his debut, that might have been that game. Matt Ryan, CJ Beathard, and then now Jimmy G. So, of all those quarterbacks, like Donovan McNabb, obviously a good quarterback, great 
to some. But even at that point of his but, career. Yeah, he's less, old man at lesser that point. version of himself. <laughs> exactly. He's kind of limping around at that point in Washington. So of all those quarterbacks, you could say maybe Matt Ryan is the better quarterback, the best quarterback that he's had. Jimmy G probably number two, though, you know? Yeah. Um, so there really, in conclusion, there really hasn't been much that Spagnola has thrown at Shanahan where he's been like, oh, you know, I wasn't ready for that, right? 24 points per game speaks to speaks it for itself. So there's no doubt in my mind Kyle Shanahan is going to have a great game plan coming into this, and there's no doubt in my mind that Spagnola is going to have some answers as well. What it'll be is a chess match throughout the game of trying to adjust and trying to figure out, okay, all right, so they're showing this. They clearly know what we're doing here, so we need to make some adjustments. Halftime is going to be crucial for both of these teams, and the key for the 49ers is really get out to a lead early in this game. We know that when they can play ahead, they can continue to run the football. They can then use the play-action game. They can control the clock. They can control the tempo. Um, at the same time, with Pat Mahomes, there's never really a lead that's insurmountable. We saw that against Houston, down 24 to nothing. And even when it became 24 to seven, I was like, "Oh yeah, Chiefs are coming back." Like you could just feel it, right? The right. energy in the stadium, uh, the the momentum completely shifted in favor of Kansas City. But the 49ers, this is the best defense that the Chiefs have faced all year. I mean, this is this is the most complete defense. And the 49ers, on top of just being as dominant as they've been, they actually don't blitz that much in comparison to most defenses. They somehow get it done with just like three men rushing, four men rushing. Like they don't even need to be bringing the house, right, all the time. And against Pat Mahomes, you got to imagine that on offense, they're going to be looking to get him moving out of the pocket. And we saw, like, I always think back from this season when the Niners played the Rams and the the Niners pulled off that 34-31 to victory. And Jared Goff, they, I mean, McVay had a great game plan in that one. And I was really worried watching that because they kept moving Goff out of the pocket, moving their playmakers, getting him in space so that the 49ers pass rush couldn't just pin their ears back and get right after the quarterback. That was so smart because Goff isn't a super mobile guy. Goff's normally a guy that stands back there in the pocket and, you know, he takes his time and he finds his his receivers and gets the ball downfield. But in this game, they needed to adjust for the 49ers defense. And you got to imagine they're going to do the same with Mahomes. And Mahomes is one of the best to do it when he's out of the pocket. He can run. He can launch it 70 yards down the field. I mean, this guy, this guy is a problem. And I, we talked about it before. The 49ers struggle. A little bit more when they're facing mobile quarterbacks. We saw it with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. We saw it with Russell Wilson. We saw it with Lamar Jackson. And Pat Mahomes is going to get his in this game. And honestly, that's why I think we're seeing that total going up because Pat Mahomes will get his as much as the Niners' defense has been dominant. But I believe the 49ers' offense will also be successful. Yeah, this is going to be fascinating because mm-hmm. I have a high degree of confidence in both offenses to show up and produce. Mm -hmm. And that's why I guess I'd be leaning on the over as well, even right now. I'm not sure if there is a number that I wouldn't take the over right now. Like, how high is it going to go? Is it 54 yet, or is it still at 53? I mean, even if it got to 55, I'd be like, I could see both teams. Yeah. I could see it being 27-24 easy in this game. It's right there. It's it's actually 54.5 on a lot of books at this point. The Super Bowl record, 76. And I know that's 
that's really, really high. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to see that, but that is a prop bet if you want to bet on that one. And, oh, I, you yeah. know, it's one of those games where I guess I wouldn't be super, like, shell-shocked if this thing went over 76. You know, I, I just... Jimmy Garoppolo in a shootout, I don't trust as much, though. I think for the 49ers to win this game, they're going to hope that it is a little bit lower scoring because the more Jimmy has to throw the ball or if the 49ers are behind trying to come back in the game, like we mentioned, the turnovers for Jimmy G, 13 interceptions, 10 fumbles this season as a quarterback. That's eighth among all NFL players this season. So, you know, that's that's a problem. And the the more you can give Jimmy Garoppolo help and the run game continues to be successful for them, the better it's going to be for the 49ers moving forward in the game. That's going to be amazing. I mean, that's the thing, though, with with the 49ers. Time of possession normally is something that's in their favor and everything, but as you mentioned, just the fact that you keep Pat Mahomes off the field is not in and of itself a guarantee that he's off the scoreboard. (laughs) Right, 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 because they can score in a minute. You know, the Niners could go on a nine-minute drive to start the game, pound it in, and everything's looking good. And then Pat Mahomes comes out and somehow scores in two minutes, and then, you know, okay, now it's a tie game. Now, it's like, how how long can the 49ers continue to just trust their game plan, trust the process, even if they're down a score? Do they continue to just trust the game plan, run the football, don't get, you know, don't get too nervous. Don't no. start just gunning the ball down the field yeah. because you just do not want that with Jimmy Garoppolo in the Super Bowl. Well, I think that's the benefit of Kyle Shanahan calling plays in the Super yeah. Bowl before. Yes, yes. You know, yes. and I think he's... He took too much heat probably for the uh, for losing the big lead, but he also said we needed to run the ball a little bit more oh and God. a little bit better. Yep. You know, in that uh, in that scenario, I think this time around he'll have his composure, he'll have his wits about him, and um, there's nothing I don't think that will phase him. I mean, as opposed to, oddly enough, Andy Reid. Andy Reid hasn't been in this position since 2004 with the mm-hmm. Eagles. And uh, we know that he's had some game management snafus in the past yeah. in the postseason. Yeah. Even though Reed's got a bunch of NFL experience and a bunch of wins, mm-hmm. Shanahan's the coach I trust more in this big spot. Absolutely. Now, do you think Eagles fans are cheering for Andy Reed? Yes. No yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. I would think so. Absolutely. I mean, he's still loved in that city and in that market. You know, mm-hmm. his his time was coming. That's a fascinating kind of thing just from a narrative standpoint in this game as well is, um, you know, Andy Reid, by all accounts, you could say he deserves a Super Bowl title for what he's done for the game of football, his offensive uh, prowess. He's such a nice, funny guy. You know, he's got Pat Mahomes Mm -hmm. that uh, they traded up to get. Yep. And... They've gotten all the way this far. They overcame the adversity of losing, you know, 18 to 16 to the Steelers in the divisional round two years ago. The Chicago Bears are punching the air right now, by the way. They should be. (laughs) Ryan Pace, I don't know how he still has a job. Yeah. yeah. Watson, too. Mm -hmm. They should have had Mahomes or Watson. Yeah, either one. And they traded up for Trubisket instead. Trubisket, dude. Unbelievable, man. He was was the most bet on uh, NFL MVP uh, preseason. For the value. Yeah. Boy, Jeez. what a loss of money. Might as well flush your money down the toilet. But there's there, both teams here. Like, you know, they have almost, I think for the public, though, they almost, I think the public might be rooting for the Chiefs because, yeah, yeah, of, because yeah. of the Mahomes. Yeah. And I, I think as we get closer to kickoff from a betting perspective, 
you know, that's where you want to come in on the Niners is probably in the last few hours leading up to kick. Agreed, agreed. I think, yeah, early on we sh- it showed that basically roughly across all sports books across the United States, 70% or more were on the Chiefs right away. And, you know, this this opened as a pick Chiefs immediately went to a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, the look-ahead for this game was actually Chiefs by two-and-a-half, but books adjusted it to a pick because of the 49ers' dominance against the Green Bay Packers hmm. in the NFC title game. A lot of people are thinking that Chiefs' money will continue to pour in here until maybe midway through next week, and that's when we'll see some professional money coming back on the 49ers at two-and-a-half. This will not get over three. There's no, no way. No Absolutely way. no way. Does but, it get two three? I don't think it gets two three. I don't either, think it gets to it? three either. Yeah. No, that's way too much value yeah. for the 49ers. So yeah. two and a half is where it's at, is where it'll probably end up at the most if it does get there. Yeah. And then we're gonna see 49er professional money coming in, including myself, my deep pockets, Judah. Just deep. <laughs> um you and mattress Mac. Me and mattress Mac. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the total keeps going up, and you know, but this total could I don't know. I think right at 54 and a half right now, we might see 55, but I think that might be the most because I think as we get closer to the game, as more money, as professional money comes in on San Francisco, well, the way the game will play out there, if it is a 49ers victory, is most likely it'll be less points because of the defense dominating and the 49ers controlling the tempo and running the football. So, I, but at the same time, like I, I don't think I can bet the total under in this game just because of how many fireworks there are yeah. on the field offensively. Um, what about first half to second half totals, point totals? Or is there? Yeah. How do you, in terms of game flow, what do you think is more likely to happen? Big offense in the second half when there's more urgency and adjustments have been made. Yeah, I, I think first so. half unders. Are, I think are they so. in play in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, but books you know? books have really adjusted to that now. Where um, proportionally, I mean, there's yeah the totals less in the first half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so. But I don't know. I think I think if the it really just depends literally on the first drive of this football game and who has the ball. If the 49ers get the ball to start out and they go on one of their eight minute drives, run the football, control the the tempo right off the gate or right out the gate, um, and get up a score early, you know, I think that this first half could end up you know, the under could look good. Uh, if it's the Chiefs coming out and scoring right away, then you know we could be in for a shootout. You know, Shanahan has to adjust on the fly and. You know, of course, I, I I see them continuing to run the football regardless early on in the game because you can't just get out of your game plan right away down a score. You know, you got to be patient. The game, let the game play out itself. Um, again, going back to the Patriots, Falcons down twenty eight to three. Patriots remained calm, came back in that football game. A lot had to go right, and it did for yeah, them. Had to be perfect. It had to be perfect. Julian Edelman had to have more focus than anyone on planet Earth to be able to haul in that football. Unbelievable. Oof, oh, unbelievable. So. What's the one area on the football field that you would be most nervous about in the matchup with Kansas City? Oh, I'm most nervous about Pat Mahomes just out of, outside the pocket. That's yeah. what I'm like. I just my nightmares consist of Pat Mahomes rolling out and having enough time to make a sandwich in the backfield and then tossing it to Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or whomever it is out there. Uh, that's my worst fear. My worst fear is that the 49ers D line gets really tired because they're having to chase him all over the field. So, God, they just they need to have a spy on this guy. You know, they need to have someone always like locked in on Pat Mahomes, not necessarily because of his running ability, but someone who can 
just key in on him and and get after him when he rolls out and make it a little bit more difficult, make his throws a little bit more difficult, have him release the football a little earlier than he would want to. Yeah. And Richard Sherman is the other thing that I'm a little worried about. I mean, I know he's confident. Uh, he's one of the most confident players in all of football, but at the same time, you know, he's he's proved himself, but he's He's not he's not primetime uh, Richard Sherman. Right. You know, he's not Seahawks Richard Sherman in 2013. And I do worry if he has to if he has those one on one battles with a Tyreek Hill, a speedster like that. I mean, he's just too fast for sure. Too fast. Too fast. Too fast for just about anyone. Yeah. You know, and the Kelsey matchup is gonna be great. You know, Sammy Watkins is still a really talented receiver. He's probably someone that you know could get a, uh, some great matchups against the lesser members of the Niners secondary too. Right. Right. You know, I just everywhere you look on the field and then on the Niners side it's Kittle against, you know, the Chiefs linebackers and yeah. Kittle against Sorensen, Kittle against even Terrell Suggs. Remember mm-hmm. Suggs playing in this game going after another one? So um Matthew obviously is gonna be a dynamic player. We'll see how Chris Jones and Frank Clark are against that Niners offensive line. Frank Clark big time. He was huge. Yeah. He played a really good game against Tennessee. Right. Run game and and pass rush. So and, and and going back to that Tennessee game with Derrick Henry, you know, of course he only ran I mean, he ran the ball nineteen times for sixty nine yards and the Chiefs, you know, that was a win, but in the first half he ran like fifteen or fourteen times in the second half, only five or six, because they had to change completely, change their game plan, and they had to put it on Tannehill's shoulders. And, yeah. Um, and we talked about that, you know, if the Titans fall behind, you know, they're not going to be able to run with Derrick Henry. But I saw Derrick Henry break off, you know, maybe four or five runs of eight plus yards in that first half. He was gashing him here and there, and he so, was no, uh, no question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was looking like the Titans were just going to do Titan things once again. So, you know, they I were up 17 7. Yeah. You know, when Henry yeah. was doing that. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty of the, the Pat Mahomes factor, though, is that from the last five minutes of the second quarter to the third quarter, dominated by Kansas City's offense. Mm-hmm. And the game's dynamic turned on its axis yeah. from being Chiefs in comeback mode to Chiefs are in control. And there was a span there where the Titans' offense, they basically only had like one drive where the game was still like. In, in a one-score situation because mm-hmm. the Chiefs scored at the end of the first half, starting in the second half, and then right the, the game flow just matters a whole lot when, when you're trying to establish the run yeah. and live off of it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into maybe some prop bets in our next show yeah. next week when we get into part two of the Super Bowl and kind of dive in a little deeper into the numbers game and whatnot. Um, but if there was, you know, one player that kind of a dark horse player that would make that can make a really huge impact for either of these teams I'm curious um, is there someone that's on your mind you know either team someone who maybe isn't talked about a whole lot but could really kind of be a Super Bowl uh, sleeper star in this game for the Chiefs to me I I keep thinking of Sammy Watkins and Mm -hmm. only because the matchups that he'll have on the field you know defensively the Niners are very very good but they they regress in their dominance on levels of the defense. Their best level is the D-line. Their second best levels are Fred Warner linebackers, and their third best levels are secondary. Mm-hmm. And from a matchup perspective, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy will know that the Niners will have to focus their primary attention to Hill and Kelsey. Should open up matchups for Sammy Watkins to be able to eat. Yeah. And Mahomes will know that. And Watkins is still, I think, a very, very good player. Like, we forget, in this sense, he had that huge game week one against Jacksonville. Went the rest of the year without catching a touchdown. 
And then he had two touchdowns in the AFC title last week. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. he was kind of a feast or famine player. But honestly, the Super Bowl is about matchups. Yeah. When you get two weeks to prepare, it's about constructing the right matchups. It's Watkins for me on that side of the ball. For the Niners on their side of the ball, I mean, you could really go anywhere. It's funny. Kittle was really quiet in the NFC title because he wasn't relied upon to do too much. You know, Kittle, I expect to have a big game here. For a more under-the-radar guy, I mean, I guess Debo, just because Debo is, um, he's a matchup nightmare for a lot of people, and he's just, he's obviously talented, but I don't think he's a household name yet. I think Samuel can get a lot of matchup advantages for himself in this game, too. I I was, I completely agree. I was going to tell you 49ers, uh, for the 49ers side, Debo Samuel is my guy. On the Chiefs side, I think Frank Clark, once again, is going to be crucial for this defense, just being able to stop the run and forcing Jimmy Jimmy G to make more passes than he would like, right? Yeah. So I think, um, but D- uh, Debo Samuel, he's also kind of a Super Bowl MVP sleeper, although, you know, Super Bowl MVP really goes to the quarterback, you know, nine out of 10 times, eight out of 10 times, it's the quarterback. Pat Mahomes right now is basically even money to win the MVP, Right behind him, you got Jimmy G at, you know, like plus 250, plus 290, whatever it is. And then how about Raheem Mostert? He's like the third best odds to win MVP at like plus 450 and whatnot. Um, another sleeper, of course. Um, it's funny. Nick Bosa. I, Bosa yeah. would yeah. be a good one. You know, I could see uh, I could see like Warner or, or somebody, you know, get, if you get a strip sack and a, and a, and a pick, mm-hmm. you know, you got a good shot if your team wins to be to be an MVP if the wealth is spread on the offensive side of the ball. Mostert's interesting because that's a guy, he's, he had the game of his life <clears throat> against, you know, the Packers. And I'm not here to take anything away from Raheem Mostert. But, you know, the scheme of Shanahan is what allows that to happen. So I think the 49ers <laughs> run game is still going to be very, very good. Um, I'm interested to see if Tevin Coleman actually gets a chance to play in this game. I don't yeah. know if he's a, a surefire out. Even with the arm injury, the Shanahan was saying that he might even have a chance to come back. We'll see. I know. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Honestly, now that I think about it. Use check's another guy. Um, use check, huh? And it might not be. It might not be use check. You know, catching stuff and do it. But the guy is so freaking versatile. Yeah, he is. with his blocking and his ability to to be out there and play action and and the right matchup, man. I mean, golly, we saw him against Seattle run a freaking go from the slot and catch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what? he's a freaking fullback. Got some hands, man. I love Kyle Juszczyk. They gave him a lot of money for a reason. You know, that's a special position yeah. in the scheme. So I think Absolutely. Juszczyk could have a big game here too. Yeah, man. Uh, he's going to be huge. And here's another really deep sleeper for you, Emmanuel Mosley yeah. uh, for the 49ers. And the reason I say this, well, not only – he was a Bama guy, right? This Not only, not only was he – he had an interception in the NFC Championship game – but the Simpsons, if you saw this, they predicted a 49ers Super Bowl win in, in Miami. And this was after their actual Super Bowl win in Miami, like, year, a long, yeah. long time ago, yeah. right? 94. Um, but it, it has a kind of a cartoon image of a 49ers player, number 41, kind of, like, raising a trophy or whatnot. So, Are you serious? Yeah, so I'm like... The so I Simpsons just... <laughs> again. This is unbelievable. So I'm like, all right, Emmanuel Mosley, maybe it's worth a little coin. Just kind of throw it on there and pray. 
Uh, it's kind of similar to what I was doing with the Broncos during that Super Bowl against the Panthers when Von Miller won MVP. And I took the other guy. I'm forgetting who it was at the time. It was another def- dominant defensive guy on the Broncos that year. But, you know, it was like 40 or 50 to 1 odds. I'm like, yeah, screw it. Let's throw a little something on that, right? It was uh, DeMarcus Ware. It was Ware. Yeah. It was Ware. And Ware had like a strip sack fumble or something in the game. And I was like, pick it up, pick it up, score, score, score. And he didn't quite do it, but... Um, but yeah, Emmanuel Mosley is one of the guys I'm going to have my eye on for the 49ers defense in this one. And that game was played in Santa Clara, yeah. Levi Stadium, that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and just, you know, kind of just wrapping things up, but um, talking uh, against the spread trends here for the Super Bowl, because underdogs, we've discussed off air, but the underdogs have been pretty dominant in the Super Bowl over the last decade. Um, in Over the last two decades, They've won 11 of the last 18 against the spread, so that's 61%, and dogs have won six of the last eight straight up. Wow. Now, it didn't happen last year, um, but you know it should have happened with the Falcons-Patriots game, right? Um, or else that would have been seven of the last eight. But underdogs have been the play against the spread over the last couple of decades, but favorites are 35 and 18 straight up in Super Bowl history. Now, do with that what you must. Um, we know, though, looking back over the last three times where we've seen a really dominant defense versus a dominant offense, it's really it's gone it's gone the defense's way. Yep, defense wins championships. We hear that again and again. Uh, the Patriots' defense last year against the prolific Rams' offense, they got it done. The Broncos over Cam Newton in his MVP season, uh, they got it done there. And then, of course, the Seahawks. Right? Your Seahawks getting it done against the Broncos. People forget that that Bronco offense was a record-setting amazing. offense. Yeah. And Manning was amazing that year. Yeah. I think he won MVP that year, too. I think so. Um, but the first play of the game, snapped over his head for a safety. <laughs> so snapped funny. over his head for a safety. Oh, and man. Seattle was, that's a matchup nightmare for that Bronco offense mm-hmm. in and of itself. So, yeah, that's that's a memory that I can obviously uh, hold dear, despite the nightmare that followed yeah. 12 months later. But, yep. uh yeah, a lot of good trends. We'll wrap it up there, but we'll come back again next week. We'll talk uh, more trends. We'll talk prop bets, and we'll make official leans and picks for Super Bowl 54. Let's go, Judah. Hey, and I'll just finish this off with uh, teams wearing white have won 13 of the last 15 Super Bowls. Is that right? Yep. Wow. And, of course, the NFC, the road team in this one. So mm-hmm. that would be the 49ers. That'd be the 49ers, baby. Got to bring back the classic 90s whites. Yeah. I'll pl- I know, right? I would love that. That'd be a lot of fun. All right. He's actually a lime shooter. We will see you next week. More lead up to Super Bowl 54. Bet the game on 750 the game and 750thegame.com.